what it do baby this is cl whiteside and this is the non-microwave truth a time of grace production now i've had a couple people ask me like what is time of grace and time of grace is a ministry based service i guess you got to just look at that go on the website timeofgrace.org and check it out i don't think you can have enough resources as a christian man or woman to be equipped with I mean, I think you can type in different topics, you can find other speakers, you can find sermons on there, you can find grace talks, you can find things that are long, you can find things that are short, you can find books on there. But yeah, I would encourage you to check it out sometime. All right, let's get into our first world problem today. Now, I did an interview with Amber L.B. Swenson, who is the podcast queen of The Little Things. And she asked me a question, a very good question. She said, what do you think the disciples would fight over today? And I, th I thought like they would be fighting about who's the best, who did the best miracles or something. But I started thinking about it again, like after the interview is over. And I know what it would be. I know it has to be this. Whenever you are on a team or you deal with people on a day-to-day -day basis, something that we love to do, we love and take pride in mocking and impersonating people. And I think that the disciples would really be competitive. And I know I said, I know this is a thing that they would argue the most about. But I mean, of course, I could be wrong. But, you know, just being around people so much, like being around my athletes, how much they enjoy and love mocking the coaches or students who love mocking the teachers or even different colleagues that I have. We love to mock other colleagues or our president or other coaches we like to mock as well. And I'm not going to lie, I'll mock one of my athletes or students if I know they can handle it. It's just part of my personality. I like to do impersonations and mock people myself. If you know what I mean, brother. Uh, excuse me, why'd you make that voice? Uh, why not? And yes, you better believe my students, my athletes, my friends do impersonations and mock me too. You got to be able to laugh at yourself a little bit. But this is our first world problem today. Which disciples do you think will be the best at mocking or impersonating Jesus? Or I should say, who would try the most? And the three disciples that popped up in my head, the first one being Thomas. Thomas. And I said Thomas because Thomas doesn't seem to mind going against the grain and going against what the other disciples say. So I thought he could be bold enough. Like he was bold enough to question and question all of them when they were telling him something. So I think he would be bold enough to mock Jesus and impersonate him. The other disciple that I had to go with was Peterman. Did I just say Peterman? Well, I meant Peter. And the reason I say Peter is because Peter is a fisherman. And the fishermen that I know, they love to talk stuff. I don't think Peter was good at it, but I do think Peter would be bold enough to mock and impersonate Jesus and try to crack jokes with him, especially being one of the closest. Now this third one, is Judas the Zealot. And he's not one of the most mentioned disciples. And I think his other name is Thaddeus. Because you know they had multiple names at times. And the reason I picked Judas the Zealot is because this. I was reading something about Jesus promising the disciples the, the Holy Spirit. And with this, Judas asked him a question. He asked Jesus a question. He said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? So that just made me think that Judas was very aware and observant of all the things that Jesus was was showing them, but wasn't necessarily showing other people. His question made me think that he really appreciated Jesus showing his glory. And it would almost be like 
us who emulate or mock entertainers or professional athletes. But hey, I could be wrong. Tell me what you think though. Our first real problem is which disciples do you think mocked and impersonated Jesus the most and the best? This is our first world problem. Remember, you can hit me up on Instagram or Twitter, championlife23. It is dinner time. The title of our episode today is Gifts from Hell. And I'm going to tell you why that's the title, but I just want you to think about this first. What is the best gift you have ever got? Do you have that gift in mind? Now, what's crazy about the gifts that we get, a lot of times we celebrate the gift more than the gifter. And I said that before on an episode, but I just want you to think about who you get the gifts from. It matters. Like, check this out. Let's say somebody gave you a new car. And because they gave you a new car for a gift, you get rid of your old car. But come to find out, the car they gave you really isn't new. The engine is about to blow. The transmission's dropped. You stranded on a freeway in the middle of the winter. You'd be ticked at this person. You'd be like, this gift sucks. Why did this person give that to me? And have you ever thought all of the good stuff, all of the gifts that we're supposed to be getting really might not be good or best for us in the long run. The microwave truth that we continuously hear in our culture is, I need more money. Can I get an amen? I need a better car. I need more women. Like, just give me a couple of baddies. I need more shoes. I need more clothes. I need more jewelry. I need that gaming system. What if the stuff you were getting was hell sent, though? What if the gift that you were given was there to make you fall, or was actually a trap. And I immediately thought about the Trojan horse story. And if you're not familiar with the story, I'll give you a quick summary. It's when the Greeks made this giant wooden horse, put a whole bunch of soldiers up in there so that they could get into the entrance of Troy. The reason they were able to get into Troy is because they, the people there, thought that this was like an offering to some god. I think they thought that this was an offering to the goddess of war named Athena, and that would make like Troy impregnable. Yeah, that's just weird. But boy, did they thought get caught when they had a bunch of people pop up out of that horse and get to slaying and killing their people. You talk about a bad gift. You talk about a gift from hell. So even though the city of Troy had walls up, them not checking where this so-called gift came from cost them in the long run. It cost them their lives. And I think a lot of times in our culture, we don't check where the gifts we're getting come from. Like, what if the stuff you were getting was hell sent? Now, some of you are probably like, what you talking about, CL? And I'm going to go out of order, but I want to look at Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. And that stuff that Jesus was tempted with was straight up hell sent. And just traps to try to get him to fall. And I want to look at Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to be jumping around. But it says this. It says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. The devil says this to God, to Jesus. All this I will give you if you bow down and worship me. Now, what we miss at this time is what did Jesus have like in this exact moment? 
Jesus had nothing. My man was starving. We say starving like Marvin, but he really was. Because he was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. All alone. And this points us to like he was in his lowest moments. And in some of our lowest moments, we have some of the fakest best opportunities present themselves. Like that opportunity to make a quick, easy buck doing something illegal. Or your spouse has been treating you like garbage. And what you think could be a great escape with someone else that no one would ever find out about presents itself. Or you're just trying to pass this test and then all of a sudden you get word that someone has the answers. And we're told and promoted to chase something. What are you chasing? Is it happiness? Is it comfortability? Is it a career? Is it validation? Like all of us are chasing that American dream, that that nice house, the ability to take vacations, the ability to have a, a great car or to afford entertainment and just be able to eat good food. Like how many times do we say to ourselves, I just want to advance in life. I don't want to be stuck. Now, the extreme of this is like the Illuminati stuff, like you sell your soul for riches. And I'm not here to debate if the Illuminati is real or not, but I do want to point out the microwave truth is that every treasure of this world is an actual blessing, meaning it's from God and it's a good thing for you. That's what I really want to point out, that it's a good thing for you. And like, have you ever looked at someone and been like, they're doing evil, but they seem to be getting so blessed? Like you look at that girl and you're like, man, she dances and I'm not talking about ballet or she has an OnlyFans page. It's a reason, especially during COVID, it was called Demon's Time. And she makes a ton of money. She's got a new car. She's, her, her wardrobe is on point. And you look at yourself and you're like, man, I'm out here struggling. Or you look at him and you say, he sells drugs, but he's attracting some of the baddest women. And he's always the life of the party. But I'm trying to do it God's way. And look where I'm at. Or she's such a big time influencer. She has so many followers. Her page is lit. But she's out here scheming people. Or he's cutthroat. And that's exactly why he got to the top of his profession. And you start thinking, I need to copy this. Like you ever see someone successful and joke around? Man, I'm, I'm just trying to get like you. But we don't always know what it took for some people to get the stuff they got. Of course, every person who has earthly treasures doesn't mean they did it in a dishonest way. But regardless of how they got it, envy and comparing will make us ready to fall down and worship the devil to get some of what they got. Because we think it'll make life so much better. Some of you are like, I would never bow down to the devil. But the devil is a sneaky lion. But he's not going to appear as some, some ferocious lion. The devil is going to appear as that beautiful woman with a fire dress talking scandalous, just flirting and just making everything seem so appealing. The devil is going to appear as a good looking, well-dressed man who seems to have all the answers and is respected by a lot of people. And although most of us are not doing things that are flat out sins and wrong, how many of us are chasing treasures and success of this world to the point that we put God on the back burner and we forget about him? And an example is this. You work, you study, you go to school, and that's all you do. And that's getting the way of you building an intimate relationship with God. So ultimately, what's being said is the treasures of you getting good grades 
or focusing on your money or your career is bigger. And I could bet the devil has went to God and said this. I dare you to let them be successful in the way that they want to be successful. Because I know they'll forget about you then, Lord. I know they'll forget about you. I can bet you the devil has went to God and said that before. Now, next on this episode of Gifts from Hell and this next temptation that, that Jesus deals with, I want to look at the difference between a need and a want. Like our culture tells us we need to have a certain amount in the bank. We need to have a certain amount of followers and likes. We need to have a certain amount of acceptance. And the biggest microwave truth is you need to do what is best for, for who? For you. But what's best? The microwave truth tells us that what's best is to use your gifts and talents to please yourself. Do what makes you happy and makes you satisfied. Now, getting back to that need aspect. Everyone would say you need your health. And if you aren't feeling well, I think the main thing that you usually want is is your health. Now, what would you do to get your health? Would you steal money? Would you kill someone? Would you lie to get it? And I just want to look at next how we justify wrong by saying, oh, it's a need. Like I would die without it. I got to have it or I'm going to die. And I just want to read some passages to you from Matthew. It says the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, this was a minor task that the devil was asking him to do. Like my man, Yeshua, Jesus fed 5,000 people. He fed 4,000 people. He raised somebody from the dead. He walked on water. He turned water into wine. He could have snapped his finger and had a bowl of New England clam chowder. Ooh, that's my favorite. And he could have had that with some bread that the devil was talking about. Like if he really wanted to, he could have had steak and lobster and mashed potatoes, asparagus with some fine wine. But what makes this gift from hell so unique is because it's so easy. It's so easy to justify wrong with. I have to. I got to eat at least. I have to at least survive. I have to at least fill in the blank. Let's get into our next temptation that Jesus was faced with. And I want you to think about this. Have you ever thought everything you get saved from is not an okay from God or it's not a blessing? Like failure or getting caught or not getting your way. That could actually be a blessing. I say this because how often does the devil want us to put God to the test by us doing something stupid and going against his will? Look at how he bends the truth in these next couple of passages. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Look at how Jesus answers though. He says it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Man, the, the lies the devil tells us. If you're a child of God, it doesn't matter if you have fun the way you want to. It doesn't matter if you sin. Another lie he tells us. Hey, if he really was a great God, he wouldn't let you suffer or have to go through hardships. Like, what kind of God is that? Or how about this? You didn't get caught cheating on your wife. That's because God really doesn't care. But when you think about this, when I cheated in school on homework, or I got a little more bolder. 
each cheat. And it was like, should I cheat on a test? And cheating and close calls, but getting away with it, that gives people confidence. That gives confidence that you are slick or you are smart enough to cheat again without getting caught and start thinking like it's really not that big of a deal. But it's like if you're cheating, let's let's use marital, uh, a marital cheat. You cheat with the wrong one and a husband runs up on you with a rifle and he shoots you and you paralyzed. Then you probably thinking like, dang, I wish I would have got caught when I first sent that flirtatious text. But we put God to the test in a number of different ways. We put God to the test when we're chasing fun out of his will. We put God to the test when we take risk with drugs. Like, I'm just an occasional blur. But then all of a sudden you get hooked and your weed gets laced and you start hallucinating. And most people think, I'm way too smart for that. But did you grow that weed? Do you know 100% where it came from? And if you are growing it, not getting caught can lead to you taking some bigger dumber risks. Because you have confidence in a balloon that will eventually, it's got to pop because you're continually filling it with air. And at times we put God to the rest with our risque sex life. I mean, man, she's so fine. She's so thick. This has to be a blessing from God. The thrill of getting some, getting a piece, that changes how you move and how you see everyone. No longer are they a person, but all of a sudden they become a thing, a thing you can use or manipulate or control. But we oftentimes, I know parents try to use scare tactics to tell kids why not to have sex, but we forget about the psychological damages that are being done. Like you're filling the gas tank of a narcissist. You are destroying and altering how you find value. You are trying to pay a lion with money and the only thing the lion wants is your blood or your flesh. And I gave all these examples, but how do you know if it's heaven approved or hell sent? Now, this is going to conclude it today. And I want, I want to give you some notes from Jesus when he was being tempted. And the first one is this. Jesus was ready. Like Jesus was ready. In all of our lives, it is not a matter of if you are going to get tempted. It's a matter of when. Are you ready to see if this gift is from heaven or from hell? The second point that Jesus shows us is this. Aim to serve God first, even before serving yourself. Jesus said this. He said, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That's completely different than what our culture tells us, which is to worry about yourself first. And that's, I think I usually do that. I think that's the natural thing to do. I look in the mirror to check myself with some eye boogers. That's the first thing I do when I wake up. The first person most of us think about pleasing is ourself. But this is something Jesus knew. Put God first. Serve him first. Stop worrying about serving yourself. And something else to be learned is that even when we don't see or feel God's presence, trust and know he is there. Like Think about that. Jesus was by himself. Or I should say he seemed by himself from an earthly standpoint for 40 days and 40 nights. And see from this that the spirit is always there for you even when no one else, no human seems to be there. On to the third point. Jesus knew right is right and wrong is wrong. Even if he was facing death and he needed something, that didn't give him the excuse to be disobedient to the Father's plan. That didn't give him the okay to use his talents or his unique skills, or in this case, his miracle performing ability, if it wasn't in the Father's will, if it wasn't in God's will. Jesus also showed us something so huge, so huge that I hope you don't miss, which is 
when Satan said turn the stone into bread, we humans are too concerned with earthly needs like hunger. But our spiritual needs, those are actually what's most important. And in most cases, we put way more weight in our earthly needs than our spiritual needs. And it should be the exact opposite. We should be putting way more weight on our spiritual needs and care way less about our earthly needs. Like what difference does it make if you die, but you go to heaven? That means it was your time to go because it's way worse, way, 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 way worse to live and go to hell. And what we see with this is a lot of things that we say are life and death really aren't even life and death from a human or earthly standpoint. Like Jesus didn't die because he chose not to turn those stones into bread. And chances are you're probably not going to die if you don't fulfill your earthly so-called need with disobedience or doing it the devil's way, I should say. And the fourth point is this. Jesus showed me he didn't have to prove something to Satan. Like you don't have to prove something to anyone. When Satan said to him, if you are the son of God, like, what do you mean if? I probably would have lost it. I probably would have went boom and just destroyed the world and the devil. But that's why I'm not God. But even more importantly, and I especially need those people who are questioning God right now to just understand that Jesus didn't try to make the father prove he was a loving father through a means he saw fit when Satan said, jump off the temple. And you know, it's crazy. He took him to a temple, which is like symbolic today because so many people are falling from the church. But I just want you to think about this. Think about how many times we do that. How many times do we say, if God loved me, he wouldn't have allowed this to happen or he wouldn't allow that to happen or he'd get me out of this or that. And Jesus was secure in knowing his father loved him. He knew this, though. How did he know this? He knew this because he had been in the word. And he saw the father's resume and he saw how the father was loving in his own perfect way and not in anyone else's way. So let's be careful. Let's be careful to check and see who the giver of the gift is, because if it's hell sent, we need to leave that bad boy right there and have nothing to do with it. And this is the non-microwave truth, a time of grace production. Thank you to all those who have written reviews. Hit me up on Instagram or Twitter. I appreciate it. Somebody just told me about Mr. Dye's pot. I got to go check that out. I appreciate that a lot. If you haven't written a review or hit the five star yet, please do. Like it actually matters. It matters in the sense of sharing God's word, especially since people who don't know me, they usually read reviews or they base things off of ratings. So if you haven't done that yet, that would be love and it would be appreciated immensely. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out.